Rihanna praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that time on, he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. Father Daniel likes to say that my homilies are high theology. That is a diplomatic way of saying no one understands what I'm talking about. Well, even I will agree that today's homily will be high theology, so high that you might pass out from lack of oxygen, which is a diplomatic way of saying you will probably fall asleep. Speaking of high theology, I'm reminded of that joke about how popes are elected and the different colors of smoke. If you see white smoke rising from the chimney at St. Peter's during the conclave of cardinals, we have a new pope. If you see black smoke rising and billowing out, we do not have a new pope. If you see green smoke rising from the chimney, it means Willie Nelson has gotten into the conclave. I'm sorry. I really do love Willie Nelson. But that is another kind of high theology. Do you know how the date of Easter is calculated each year? First of all, why does it need to be calculated? Isn't it obvious what day Easter falls on? Well, no, it is not that simple. Because Easter is called a movable feast, meaning it moves from one date to another each year. 
For example, last year, Easter was celebrated on April 4th. This year, we observe Easter on April 17th. And next year, Easter will be celebrated April 9th. What causes the difference in the dates? Well, the short answer is because we are trying to combine the solar calendar based on the sunrise and the sunset and the lunar calendar based on the waxing and the waning of the moon. Both the sun and the moon are important in determining the date of Easter. We basically use a three-step process. See if you can notice both the sun and the moon's involvement in this determination. Easter falls on the first Sunday, step one. After the first full moon, step two. After the vernal equinox, step three. The vernal equinox means the day in which we have equal sunlight and darkness, equi, nox. That is the role of the sun. The first full moon after the vernal equinox is the part played by the moon. And Sunday is, well, Easter Sunday. So this is how we determine the date of the movable feast of Easter. The first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. I hear some snoring. Now comes the really fun stuff. What day did Jesus celebrate the Last Supper with his disciples in the upper room? Well, at least that is an easy question to answer. The Gospel of Matthew today tells us, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And we all know that Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples on Holy Thursday. And he died the following day, Good Friday. And you would be correct if you only read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But, if you, but you would come to a different day if you read the Gospel of John, namely, Tuesday. According to the Gospel of John, Jesus celebrated the Last Supper on Tuesday evening. And so I'm sorry to tell you this, but you missed it because it happened last night. In other words, in the Gospel of John, Holy Thursday is really Holy Tuesday. If you are interested in reading a very sharp and succinct explanation of how John's Gospel assumes a Holy Tuesday date for the Last Supper, I recommend you read Pope Benedict's book, Jesus of Nazareth, Volume 2. Here is one point he makes about why Holy Tuesday works better than Holy Thursday for the Last Supper. He writes, You have to compress a whole series of events into a few hours. And then he lists the events. The hearing before the Sanhedrin, Jesus being sent over to Pilate, 
Pilate's wife's dream, Jesus being handed over to Herod, his return to Pilate, the scourging, the condemnation to death, the way of the cross, the crucifixion. He concludes, to accomplish all this in the space of a few hours seems scarcely possible. Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds of his whole explanation. I'll leave the weeds to Willie. But suffice it to say that if you look closely at the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke on the one hand, and John's Gospel on the other hand, you arrive at two different dates for the Last Supper, Holy Thursday and Holy Tuesday, respectively. Now, don't worry, folks. We are not going to change the date of the Last Supper to Tuesday. But I think this shows how the sacred tradition helps us to resolve some of the roughness of the sacred scriptures. In other words, we need both scripture and tradition to know how best to love and live like Jesus, especially during Holy Week. Christians cannot live by the Scriptures alone. Why? Well, because, quite frankly, it is just too high theology. Praise to thee, Jesus Christ.